hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. I'm Molly. And it's an oddity. It's Sunday afternoon. Yes, this is probably the first time we've recorded before 9.30 p.m. That's pretty cool. I think what I'll do when I get done too is I'll upload it right away. Wow. Yeah, right? Maybe this could be a new tradition. I'm wondering if we'll sound more coherent. (laughs) I don't know. You'll have to tell us. So email us at tb2f at uh, pm.me. Um... Okay, so it is probably the last episode until after the holidays. We have family en route as we speak, and the family that will be staying with us is coming in tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow, but they're leaving tonight, so um, I don't think we're going to put out an episode between now and then. Although my sister and her husband said they wanted to be guests on the show. I don't have no idea what we talk about, but maybe we should bring them on just for fun and see what happens. We could interview my whole family. It'd be really weird. (laughs) That would be kind of weird. Yeah, really strange and incestuous or something. I don't know how that would work. But uh, anyway, what's going on, babe? Nice Um, shirt. Thank you. I'm wearing my People Are Weird and Hard shirt. I like it. I like it. Left justified. Stage right. But left justified if you're looking at it. I did. I got a comment from a friend that she wanted it to be centered. But now that I'm looking at it, I I agree with my original apparent insistence that I don't remember it, that it be left justified. Yeah. And I also wanted it in courier. So if you don't like the font and the style, blame me. I am wondering about the white, only because I'm a mom of four, and I just went through... Elisa's closet and I probably threw away six white formerly white t-shirts mm. that were just so stained and grungy and I'm not sure that any amount of oxyclean or good washing would do anything for them so she had so many clothes anyway I just threw a bunch of formerly white t-shirts away that's fair it's you know it's a lot of um you can, we have so many options. No, I know. I'm just. It's almost difficult to figure out like which options do we do right away, which ones we do later. Like I just had a new hat printed that's not in the store, and I haven't tried it on yet, but I think I'm going to like it. But it's just a difference. It uses our Subway logo. I don't know if you've, if anybody hasn't been to the store recently. We've got a couple new items. One of them is our stickers. We now have the Subway logo with the Subway tile that we use for our podcast cover. That's now a sticker. And I put that on a hat with a little badge kind of on the side, which looks kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's it takes a lot of work to put together a single outfit. And when nobody buys them, because really nobody's buying anything. Don't, don't do a guilt trip. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. I'll stop. Anyway, go check out the Swag Shack. Get something for yourself for the new year. Because it is true that people are weird and hard. And we all know that going into this holiday season, right? Oh, man. Even more so this year. People have gotten COVID weird. Yes. COVID's becoming like this conjunction identifier. You know, COVID weird, COVID hard, COVID tired. Yeah. COVID scared. Uh, yeah. Um, I was just re-listening to the beginning of Jess Ray's Gloria because oh, I know that you kind of fell in love with it. So Jess Ray, J-E-S-S-R-A-Y, for those of you who don't know who she is, she we know of her because she sings with Andrew Peterson on his Behold the Lamb of God record. She's got a very distinct voice that has taken a while to grow on me. 
But JR liked it immediately when, because I've known of, known of her for at least a year. She's got a great song that was kind of one of her first ones when she would go to, like, at the Rabbit Room, Andrew Peterson's organization hosts. I don't, they're not open mic nights, but there's a coffee house where they have, they call it the local show, and they'll put together local artists, and they actually sell tickets. It's at a coffee house, but you have to buy, I think, if not reserve, I think you actually have to buy tickets to it. But, um... She sings at that, and she has a song called Gallows that was kind of one of her big first ones, and it talks about, if you remember, uh, in the story of Esther, Haman hangs on his own gallows, um, and she turns that into a metaphor for evil in general and for Satan, and the chorus is that Satan was going to hang on his own gallows. So that's a, one of her better known songs from the past but she just released uh, a christmas ep and it includes this song gloria that i was re-listening to because speaking of covid in 2020 she starts with this year i can't remember i didn't even look to see if i could print out the lines but essentially as this year draws to an end it's basically not the year that we all hoped it would be yeah, and, and that's okay. Here's something. Here's some words to find comfort in, and then the chorus is, "Gloria, Gloria, God, I can't God even... has come to know us." Well, the 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 line that I've kind of been thinking about a lot is, "God has come to understand." Yeah. But does she say? Does she God say has come the to same? Understand us, does yeah. she say the same thing mm-hmm. twice? God has come yeah. to understand. God has come to understand us. Um, is that? I'll start with asking you. What did you like about the song? Uh, first of all, the, the 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 melody on the on the chorus, um, the way it's kind of an earworm. The way she stops, she stops the verse, and then it and then the chorus kicks in. Um, just really strikes all of the right emotional notes for me. And. That's right. I forgot. You're more. You're uh, you're as much, if not more, about the emotional notes of the music than mm-hmm. the words themselves. Yes. I'm all about the words. Add, when you add the words to it, it just it takes it kind of like a little bit up and over the top, for me. Yeah. Um, and the duet with um, I forget his name now. I'd known we were talking about. It, I would have pulled it out. Sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Um, and then the duet. He has a really like his. His second part, his harmonize, his harmonies are really, really nice as well. Um, so that was kind of what you know. But the words are also super solid. I wasn't the hugest fan of the first verse, although true, it it wasn't the biggest. It was yeah, it wasn't my favorite thing. And then all of a sudden, the the uh, that you know that kicks in, that chorus kicks in. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, it just hits me. Here's the here's the lyrics. I just I just pulled them up. I didn't know if I'd be able to pull them up because it's such a new song. But it says we've done another trip around the sun. How we wish it would have been a better one. Here we are, painfully aware that it's hard to hope, easy to despair. As this year closes, we begin again. Here's something to take comfort in. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. And I I almost feel like the fr- I kind of agree with you about the first the first verse. Because it's almost like she sat down. I was wondering if she did she sit down to write a song about 2020. 
Like, uh, you know, the songwriting process would be interesting to get inside her mind for that. Or did she come up with the Gloria, Gloria um, tune first, that that melody, and then fill back in with everything that she wanted to say? Yeah, it depends on the songwriter. No, some I know. songwriters do. I, always, I, I was, was always, when I wrote songs, I was always music first. So I would have a, a jam that I really liked on the guitar and then or the piano and then I would lay over a melody over top of that I would hum it I would I would mumble or just kind of whatever whatever came out and then I would work on lyrically try to pull what emotion is this song evoking in me right now and what circumstances in life uh, have led me you know bring out that emotion and then from there uh, start crafting that story and then hopefully ideally have a twist or something that I want the listener to understand or to even teach um, that kind of ties with the story and that's how that's I mean that's my process for I don't know what her process but that was my process early on with songwriting and of course I haven't done any of that because that first marriage and divorce wiped out any sort of I don't have anything to say joy it's, in your heart no the joy is there but your it's, it's different inside. it's different um the song is gone and it I've I've read I've some songs this, this last year some of it's come back but lyrically it's still not there musically it's shifted and changed but it's come back but lyrically I just don't have anything to say that doesn't sound that to me doesn't sound stupid <laughs> so I I don't really try. I'm sure that's, but yeah, mm. it's a craft. It's one of those things you have to, so I, you know, work at in order yeah. to get better at. No, I don't I know just, her. I, um, obviously, we don't know hers unless we have yeah, a video of her, her, ask her discussing it. But I was, I was musing about uh, that Instagram, right? Say, but so her second verse says, "Were you forgotten? Were you betrayed? Are you alone? He knows the ache. Have you been waiting? Tired and confused? Have you lost someone? He weeps with you." Is your heart crushed? Then he is near enough to share every tear. Um, I, the thing that has struck me about this song is, of course, this is a reference, Gloria, Gloria. Like, that's a reference to what the angels say at Christmas. And, of course, Emmanuel means God with us. But I was thinking about how this refrain is the fulfillment of who God is throughout all of Scripture. It's not a new thing as of when Jesus is born, but it's the, as we were telling our kids a couple of nights ago during our family devotions, that that Jesus is the fulfillment of every promise that God has made mm-hmm. that is in Corinthians or Colossians, that in him, every promise of God is has finds us yes and amen. Um, and so the idea that God is with us and he understands us, of course, for school this year, we're spending a ton of time talking about the the Egyptians or the the Israelites in Egypt. And was it just last week? It feels like ages ago. So we're starting to talk about the plagues and... Interestingly, if you guys didn't know, the particular seemingly random from our 21st century perspective plagues 
that God sent on the Egyptians were all were all references to particular gods f- that were special for the Egyptians. Oh, interesting. I didn't know. And that. so like they had a frog god who and we haven't studied this thoroughly yet, so I'm maybe getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that God was very deliberate in in showing his superiority over the Egyptian gods with the particular pestilence and problems that he sent to the Egyptians. But, um, so last, last week, one of the things in order, as we're talking, reading about the plagues, is the kids got little printed frogs that they had to cut out. So for Elise, it was scissor practice, and the others just hacked theirs apart, and then they spread frogs throughout the house. They were supposed to put them anywhere they felt like, and... Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was funny. It I'm was, still I'm still finding. It was frogs. funny because I, I, I everywhere I went I found I would find frogs and it was something very visceral. Like, huh? I was like, what are these frogs doing all over the place? And they're like, well, we wanted to, you know, um, you know, kind of just have a, a, the goal a is practical to example. What it's like yeah, to have the frogs, the frogs everywhere. And the frogs were everywhere. You guys, it was awful. <laughs> I'd open up a drawer, there'd be a frog. I would go down to my studio, there'd be a frog. Just the scraps of paper get super annoying. Imagine if it was a real frog. They were in my drawers, they were in the cars, they were the kids. Under your pillow in the bed. Under your pillow, yeah. Um, And it's 1 Corinthians 1, 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You know, that's that's like Christ coming to understand us as kind of the... Um, obviously, he did more than that at Christmas. But without that, he, his saving work wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked. Because in that, it implies he was fully human. He understood our pain and we can... We can uh, he understands where we are in our fullness and completeness, and that's the brokenness, that's the sadness, that's everything else. The second verse of that song I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, so two thoughts on you saying that. First of all, uh, I've, this last week I've been getting a ton, well, two weeks now, I've been getting a ton of Facebook memories because I was apparently a fairly prolific blogger that would then import into my Facebook Around the a time, long time that, ago, you were well, a very prolific. Yes, blogger. but around the time that Titus was born, so we had our friend Kirk died on Sunday night in a car accident, had a seizure, mm-hmm. was head on by, died on Sunday night. Titus was born on Wednesday. My grandfather, my mom's dad, um, was in a nursing home, went into the hospital with a do not resuscitate order on Saturday, and I believe died the following Monday. And then about, and it, so so all of that happened, and I was kind of, I blogged some of my thoughts and reactions to that that have come up in my Facebook memories. But then a week later, I think the same year, um, a gal in our church died from cancer. And so I, I was reflecting on, and I actually, maybe it wasn't that year because I went to her funeral and I was blogging about some of her funeral but I I quoted in one of my blogs and was like wow that was really smart of me but apparently Irenaeus (laughs) apparently Irenaeus so the early one of the early church fathers said that it was necessary for Christ to be born as a baby and then to live through all of these different stages that we go through because in 
living them perfectly, he redeemed them for us. Mm-hmm. So everything that he experienced, he redeemed that aspect of human experience. And of course, in the book of Hebrews, we get that too, that he experienced all of this perfectly. And he's now our high priest who understands us perfectly because he has been tempted and he suffered in the way that we were tempted and suffered. And I've heard people make the argument that he experienced those temptations far stronger than we do because we give in. We don't experience the fullness of the temptation. Like if you're mm. if you're a rope and you're experiencing being pulled um, at you know whatever mm-hmm. pound capacity, the rope breaks. It doesn't experience the fullness of the capacity that could be pulling the rope. Where Jesus experienced the fullness of being pulled without breaking. So, what does that say for old age? Does that mean you actually? From thirty to thirty-three, you've officially experienced everything that an old age person feels. <laughs> I I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, obviously Jesus still yeah. is is high priest and understands our suffering. But but the fact that God understands us and is with us in our suffering is not new as of Jesus. It's fulfilled and the Holy Spirit seals in our hearts this knowledge that God is with us and is for us. But going back to the Egyptians, what does God say when he comes to Moses? He says, I have seen, and it's not like I've been observing through a telescope. It's, I've ex- I'm have i with you and I've experienced the suffering of my people and I'm here to come save because I understand. And obviously the Egyptians understood or not the Egyptians, the Israelites in Egypt and after they came out of Egypt understood and appreciated that at a much lower level than we should with having had hearts of stone turned to hearts of flesh by the Spirit's power. But the whole Old Testament is I wrote a paper in seminary once about the whole the whole Old Testament is an unfolding of in seminary, they use it so much, I would write, Y-G-M-P, your God, my people. That was my shorthand because starting with Abraham, God says, mm-hmm. I will be your God and you will be my people. And that refrain takes place, or occurs consistently throughout from Abraham all the way, of course, through Jesus. But then the book of Revelation, the fulfillment of I will be your God and you will be my people is that we have his name on our foreheads, um, whatever, however you want to interpret that. But we are I'm gonna, permanently. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Yeshua tattooed right across my forehead. Yeah, well, his name is on his I'm thigh, kidding. right? On that when he comes on the white horse, it's like on his inner thigh. Nice. Maybe that's the best place for a tattoo. I don't know. Anything on the inside of a limb kind of hurts, you know. But that's a whole the hurts more than dying on a cross. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Jesus Jake. Um, you know, that, but that's a concept. The focus and emphasis of Christ coming has been something of a concept I've been trying to... It's been difficult to like... Or just I've been more aware this year of trying to push to the kids. Um, I feel like this year too, we've gone way above and beyond previous Christmases in terms of getting them stuff. Um, 
and that's fine and well and good, but I don't, you know, I haven't been wanting it to overlap. So it's, it's been, a, you know, I can tell in my prayers at night before we go to bed and, you know, we've been doing the Advent devotional readings in the morning, um, but just trying to continue to push that on them. And then also all the other stuff coming in from the rest of the world, knowing like, as you mentioned in episode, what, 32, are we, do we have a, do we have a faith? Are we teaching our kids to have a faith worth dying for, you know, and all of the, the whole season, I think I mentioned this before too, the whole season for me has a much more intense emphasis on Christ and what that means on a daily level because of where culture's moving. What does it mean on a daily level? You know, it's, um, it, for me, like right now it's, it's changing, changes the importance and value of things that I typically deem as important or valuable. Meaning what can you actually live with? If you were, you know, a persecuted country and all you had was your community and everything else, you know, that trying to foster that sort of, um, uh, value on Christ and your relationship with him, because nothing you have in this world is any good. You know, it's, it, it's, it's what Christ gives us and how you have that eternal focus with everything. And it, it reframes, Sorry, now I just kicked our dog out from under the desk. Yeah, <clears throat> Sorry, buddy. There's carpet under there. On my lap. Um, dog in the studio. There's no cat in the studio tonight, so that's fun. Um, you know, on a daily level, it's 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 what is important. What are you focusing and emphasizing on that day? Is it all the other stuff you have going on, or are you missing moments of teaching your children because you're harried, you're stressed? Well, just go, and when in fact. It's like when Lily was struggling with sitting in the front seat. She started crying. And I was like, I was kind of dismissing the whole thing because like, you'll feel better in the morning. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a seat. But she started crying. And I thought to myself, she'd be crying over a seat. What is it that's so, that's important enough in her heart, going on in her heart, that she's crying over not sitting in a, in the front seat, or at least the middle seat in this case. And realizing the importance and the value of those moments rather than other things you might have had to get done. Um, you know, the importance of, of spending time with your kids in prayer and the word and rather than other things. And so it's kind of, it's just, it's for me, it's changing my perspective even more. So it's like in the back of your head as a Christian, you're always like, Oh, Jesus is the most important thing in the world. Right. And then you go on with life. But for me, it's a lot more present now that those things are those moments and those those areas where that are either teachable or where I need to readjust to invest in people or invest my time in understanding scripture or things like that are just more important than everything I else have going on because all that stuff can disappear. All that stuff can be stripped mm. away and disappear. And yes, we have our lifestyles and we need to take care of our belongings, but um, all that stuff is going to disappear. And, and so for me, it's a more of a it's kind of like when you depth the field, you know, you can take, you have two things in the image and when you have a shallow depth of field, whatever you're not focused on is really blurry and you can move between something close to you and something far from you and change that focus. And so I feel like even though both of those things are in my life, 
I'm sw- I, my focus is moving towards what probably should be more important than what isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's actually a pretty good analogy. I like that one. Ooh, clever. <laughs> um, I find myself wanting the kids when I'm talking about doing devotions and that sort of thing with them, wanting them to, I guess it kind of goes back to Sally Lloyd-Jones's Jesus Storybook Bible. The most important thing is that Jesus loves you, and if you are his, he has you, and he won't let you go. Like, I was reading, we I, for my Bible reading challenge, we read the entire book of Luke, I think in three mornings, maybe four, but blast through and Luke's chapters are way longer than like Paul's chapters. We went from Luke to Ephesians and reading the entire book of Ephesians took less time than reading like two chapters of Luke. But at one point Jesus says when when you're being questioned and persecuted, don't plan ahead what you're gonna say. Trust that when the moment comes I will give you the words to say. And I guess I've never really thought of that. That that passage has never struck me in that way before. Because you you hear about Chinese people in present day or Nigerians in present day being persecuted and being questioned, and I always sort of wonder, or reading, like I'm listening on... So this is a fun little bonus, people. If you do iTunes music, like we, that's our, we don't do Spotify, that's our music subscription. iTunes has the entire Focus on the Family dramatized audiobook series on iTunes. You can't bookmark it, so it's not like Audible where... You mean the Bible? No. So, like, Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, oh. is dramatized, but it's her right. book, The Hiding Place, okay. um, dramatized by Focus on the Family decades ago, and it's available on iTunes just to listen to. You just search for it like you would your music. Oh, that's And the cool. book title comes up. And so I've been listening off and on to The Hiding Place because I've never read it before. And that's one thing that's kind of struck me. One of the things that really impacts our kids in terms of understanding what a life of faith looks like and what it means is reading both fiction. Like we read a book, a couple of books by a gal named, I think her name's Patricia St. John. They've, they came with our curriculum. And they're little kids who are coming to an understanding of who God is and they're not they're not sophisticated um, literature or um, in terms of understanding your faith. In fact, I think they view a little bit too simplistic and legalistic sometimes. Mm. But it's been really interesting. I've had a couple of chances when the kids are like, what does that mean? And I'll be like, do you remember when Hamid or Jenny or Ruth had this happened to them and what they learned about God in that context. And they're like, oh, yeah. And last year we read a whole bunch of biographies about different missionaries. And, I mean, besides being historically helpful, like Titus, I was talking about uh, A Christmas Carol. And I, I was like, so the author was this guy named Charles Dickens. And he lived about the same time as George Mueller. <laughs> and Titus is like, oh, because we've read this whole thing about the people that George Mueller ministered to. Episode three? Episode yeah, maybe. two? That was a long um, time ago maybe we talked even, about that. Yeah, it probably was that yeah. 
podcast Between, episode, look, one, two or three. One, two or three. I think it was two or three. Go back and look. You'll see Mueller and cats or something like that. But so he, um, so Titus understood immediately the setting in which Charles Dickens talks because of Mueller. But we also learned a ton about praying and trusting God by reading about Mueller or Amy Carmichael. And so again, going back to the point of my, what I was saying is Corey Tenboom, and she's often surprised by things that she says when the Germans come, like she goes back and she's like, dad, I just lied to the Germans. And I'm shocked at how easy it was for me to lie to them. And her dad's like, well, were you protecting the good? And she's actually in conflict with her sister. Mm-hmm. She has she ends up having no problem lying to the Germans, but her sister won't lie even when she knows that it will betray the Jews hiding in her house and get her sent to a concentra- concentration camp where, spoiler alert, she dies. Uh, but she still felt compelled to not lie when they said, are you hiding Jews in your house? But Corey had no problem with that. Because she just had a different conscience I've been setting, spend, I yeah, guess. I've been, I've been spending a lot of time recently, not to sideline too much, on liberties of conscience and um, musing. And I think there's a lot more... There is a lot more uh, grace and leniency, I think, we have as Christians in those contexts where, like Corey Temboom and her sister, one can feel completely cannot go against her conscience and cannot lie while the other one can and neither neither of them are in sin yeah you know and that's boy that's a wow <laughs> you know um that's a tough one and it's kind of the, i'm reading the same thing i've just gotten to the point where bonhoeffer starts working for the nazi government and he at one point a whole bunch of people came by and i had this vision i don't know if you guys saw the so back when the marches, the race marches first started, there was a video that went around or a blog post of a, of a person who was sitting at a table getting screamed at. They were trying to have lunch or something, getting screamed at by protesters, you know, raise your fist. You've got to be in solidarity with us, right? And this person refused to do that. <clears throat> and I had this image when this came up because Bonhoeffer was sitting with a friend of his at an outdoor cafe and a big Nazi march or something came by and Bonhoeffer shocked his friend by standing up, sticking his arm out, Heil Hitler. Hmm. And, you know, Metaxas writes that it was more of a Bonhoeffer, you know, Bonhoeffer had bigger fish to fry than this, than this Mm. particular battle. And he leaned over to his friend, are you crazy right now? Get up here and join me in this. His friend's like, whoa, you know? But that is like, was Bonhoeffer sinning with it by lying, by by pretending to be part of the Nazi regime so he could fulfill another calling? Yeah. Evidently, he didn't think so. And it's kind of like, you know, this issue, like, you know, there's conscience issues that are like, wow, will you scar your conscience later on down the line? Maybe, I don't know. But there are so many different issues and I, it's been really kind of, interesting to think through all this when it comes to like the mask issue and who decides they want what churches decide they want to defy the government and what churches don't and where they land on all that stuff and it's like 
and I just came off of reading Francis Schaeffer's Mark of a Christian, and this could be a whole other podcast, but, um, you know, same thing. Can we still, are these people in sin when you have, when you have a disagreement with your brother over a matter of conscience? You know, it's not like, well, you're sleeping with your best friend. You need to stop that. That's not a conscience issue. You know, you're, you know, you just murdered your brother. It's not a conscience issue. Christ talks, you know, those are black and white issues, you know, and it's like, you've got so many other things. And so it's just, it's been interesting to think about that in context of everything else going on. Um, so I was originally, we got down this rabbit trail yeah, because, yeah. because, you started talking about well, iTunes and auto and no, I was, and, no, I was, I think in the case of like Bonhoeffer or Corey Ten Boom, historically, as well as people in our present day, trusting you read things and you can't help but imagine how would i respond what would i do in this circumstance and i think that jesus and luke is saying don't stress out about it i've got you and if i put you in this situation i will help you to be faithful in this situation and of course it's speculating how we would respond in those sort of situations is is pointless right now um but knowing that there is, as Hebrews says, a cloud of faithful witnesses who have actually done this and have gone through it, we can trust that Jesus will have us in it. But going back to the discipling kids, reading the stories is helpful because that helps them just like reading the Old Testament, where if we're part of the family of God, this is part of our family heritage and lineage. And, you know, people get so into tracing their their bloodlines, their actual, you know, we do the DNA tests now in order to be able to even further trace our heritage. And, you know, genealogies are a big deal because where we come from matters and is important to us and it tells us something about who we are so it's fascinating to go look at pictures of you know a great grandfather great 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 grandfather and try to see if there's any family resemblance or to preserve a family name for four Mm -hmm. or five generations and so you and i when we were naming our kids all of our kids have some sort of family name embedded in their name and we went back a couple of generations thinking of names for some of our right. hypothetical kids that we didn't end up having. But um, I think all of our other names are within two generations. But but that all that to say that that we recognize that this means something to us and why it's so important for kids who've been adopted to many of them to trace their lineage of their bloodlines because that blood and the do I look like you why why are my hands so big compared to the rest of my body why do I talk funny compared to the rest of the family that I'm being raised with it helps things click in us the same what thing is true for us when we're part of the family of God so when we read the old testament we're actually reading family history and it helps us to understand who we are it also helps us to understand how God has been faithful to his people, that he's your God, my people in the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, and to present day, and up to the present day, then stories of people like Bonhoeffer and Corrie ten Boom and Amy Carmichael 
again, ground us in our own faith because it's the same God who is faithful to them. And when we see glimmers of our own call or our own personality in their struggles or in their triumphs, that's us seeing the seed of how God can also be working in our lives. And so that for me, I'm grateful to have that as an opportunity that we can do with our kids because we homeschool. We can incorporate that into their their schooling, that they understand that. But really for me, going taking this full circle all the way back to the beginning of where our conversation started, which is what's important to us about teaching our kids things um, in this Christmas season. And it's that for me, certainly understanding the importance of who God is and what, what God accomplished coming to earth as a man um, and what God then requires of us and calls us to are all really important. But at root, when our kids are going through hard times in their lives, which will be inevitable, when at any time, what I want them most of all to remember is that God loves you with a never-stopping, never-breaking, always-and-forever love. And that, to me is at the core of everything else that we're teaching, that they always remember that God loves you and that God's got you. Jude Theodore. That, that was, was the family name that I really liked that we didn't get to use. Uh, you know, it's interesting, and to continue the full circle, talking about Jess Ray's song, the line, Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us, um, is I feel like is a uniquely Christian message. In the other religions that have a divine being, um, a God, Allah, uh, the Mormon God, um, even even the Catholic God, you can't have a saving God like that without the personal relationship. And that's something unique that the that Christianity, the God of the Bible, brings to us because he brings that relationship. Those other faiths don't have a personal God. You know, Allah is incredibly impersonal. You can't access him, you can't talk to him. And you have impetuous. No... So he's not he's mm-hmm. unpredictable that because you right. don't know what's at the heart of his character that the heart of his character is love that you you can never really rest and rely and so understanding that you know makes it's just so funny because sometimes i I feel like everything about christianity can actually be just can actually be distilled down pretty simply with in relation to all these other religions and cults and everything else and and that's Christ's humanity and Christ's deity. And, you know, part of that's driven out of my study of um, both 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, as well as um, the heresies. When my Bible study studied the heresies for a while, too, is that almost all of them deny one or the other. And yes. here you have the Christmas message is that God has come to understand us and not in a come fashion that's like, oh, he's just, he's been here long enough. He's actually, he's figured out how to understand us. No, he deliberately came to understand us so that, as Jess writes, he can take away our pain, take away the 
the problems and give us hope in the midst of the trial. So mm. the trial's not the end. Uh, the 2020 and all the crap that happened in 2020 isn't the end. And we just look forward to a new year just because it's it's not 2020. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, tomorrow I might have something better happen in my life. No. Like, Christ came to show us that in the midst of all of that, we can have hope. Mm-hmm. And we can actually look to look at those things kind of like suffering. We can look at those things, be pointed to Christ and be able to give him glory for that because he's come to understand us. Yeah. Two things. One is I would quibble with you a little bit. You said the Catholic God. The Catholic okay. God is is the Christian God. We True. disagree right. on right. some fair, big fair. points of theology fair. and application, but fair. at root I was specifically thinking of Mormons and uh, Mormons and well, primarily Islam. East, also, Eastern I think Orthodox. a lot of Eastern, not Eastern, Eastern not, Orthodox, sorry, Eastern also religion, Eastern, yeah, Eastern religions yes, that have Eastern religions. Sorry, a lot of Eastern gods Orthodox. or Im, impersonal gods. Um, <clears throat> I say that's they, God too. Um, the other thing is um, that it's not. Now that I think about it, something that's maybe missing from her. Um, from her song and it's it's not that it's necessarily wrong but we need other pieces of our theology to round it out and it's right. not just that god understands us it's that god understands us and if you you have to import into that that god is the god of the universe and he's sovereign and he's powerful so me having experienced scraping my knee and knowing how painful that can be and empathizing with a two-year-old who desperately needs a Band-Aid in order to make it better. I swear there's blood. There's blood. There's no blood. No blood, no Band-Aid. We have this argument at least once a day. But, But that's different than God understanding my pain or her pain because yes. I can't I can't fix it. I can make her feel better inside, but I can't actually heal it. And so what's important about God has come to understand us and God is because he's the only one who can both understand and save. Who has the ability to rescue who has the ability to heal and so we again like you're saying all heresies swing back and forth on that pendulum between overemphasizing the god part or the mm-hmm. man part but christian theology has to meet in the middle and be a hundred percent blend of both in a way that we absolutely can never understand but that we can be grateful for because there's without God, there's no hope. He can't right. save fallen humanity. But without man understanding and empathizing and experiencing and redeeming everything that we that hurts us, all the way up to the wages of sin is death. Without him having lived that and died for that, the man part we he we can't be saved either. So we need both God and man fully in Christ to save us. But that's, that's again, totally unique amongst world religions because nobody else could come up with the God-man 
who was fully capable of bringing heaven and earth together, if you will. Yeah. It's funny, even in Greek mythology, if you look at the gods of Greek mythology or any god created by, any god created by a human mind in movies, books, television, mythology, history, there's always a very distinct division between humanity and deity. Well, and they're and also, the deities are also distinct, caricatures of things that right. people either distinct, want you or know, yeah. need. Right. Right. And, you know, it's, and they've got specific roles and they're bound by certain things. It's just, it's, it's, and none of those things they're bound by are like righteousness, justice, and love. You know, it's, it's like, well, you're the God of thunder. <laughs> well, I mean, there is, there is the God of love, but it's... Eros. Right? Yeah. Well, and Cupid. Cupid, yeah. Anyway, I just an interesting random thought. Yeah, but all of those different things that they think, you know, those are all come together in the one true God, yep. too, in a perfect way that isn't corrupted by the God, you know, the Greek God's selfishness and pettiness and mm-hmm. lust. <laughs> but um, so all that, I guess, to say is since we probably won't talk to y'all again before Christmas... Merry Christmas and Gloria. Gloria. God God has has come come to understand us. And to save us. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, so um, if you want to... uh, If you'd like to send us an email, tb2f... (laughs) tb2f, all tb, the letters, two, number two, f, at pm.me. You can also follow us on Instagram, too busy to flush, T O O, busy to flush, grammatically correct. Addy, you can also follow us on Facebook. We don't post too much, but we tend to cross post over there. Molly occasionally shares stuff. And I, we've been writing a few blogs here and there recently as well. So don't forget to subscribe to our site, too busy to flush.com. And of course, we have the swag shack. But most importantly, tell your friends about us, share an episode, tell them what you loved tell them what you liked um we hope it's beneficial to you because it's certainly enjoyable to us and uh, we'd probably do it even if it was wasn't beneficial to you but maybe we wouldn't i don't know we'll see (laughs) all right guys have a very merry christmas and a happy new year i am jr i'm molly and um we'll see you guys in 2021